Welcome to the Pain Cave. This is our very special live Western States 100 Lottery Podcast. This is a new thing that we're going to try this year. Actually, this is the second time we've tried this, believe it or not. We tried this a couple years ago, and it did not go all that well, but we're very hopeful that the technology has improved to the point that we can pull this thing off. And if not, we'll just have a good time sitting and drinking and being very uh, sad that we, we don't get into the lottery today. So uh, we're, we're super psyched to, to have everybody joining us today on our live lottery podcast. Uh, we're going to have a couple of special guests appearing, hopefully in person in the next few minutes and calling in and that sort of thing. And uh, actually, right now, it looks like Mintz is on the line. Jason Mintz, are you there? So it looks like we've got the great Jason Mintz on the other line. Mintz, what's going on? Mintz, you're muted. Good All right. Morning, everyone. Good morning, Good morning, Phil. Jason. Good morning, Jason former, Mintz. Jason former Western States finisher. That's right. That's right. And I do believe, didn't you hike the last 20 miles in 15 hours? <laughs> I think it was closer to 20. 20 hours. <laughs> 20, last okay, 20 sorry. Miles. <laughs> I'm, I'm I sure. stand corrected. But you've Lord got to come. me for a few these days, right? Yeah, because you're um, never getting in again. In fact, you're never getting in. I, I know. I mean, it's, it's. I'll be, I'll be sixty the next time I uh, tow the line. <laughs> sixty. I already am sixty. <laughs> so yes, it's yeah. not getting any easier to get in. That's for sure. No, no, it definitely is not. Vince, we're we're psyched to hear about your uh, your your experiences at states, and and we're going to have your your crew and pacer uh, Laura Klein here in just a second. Um, yeah. she's, she's out getting uh, lunch right now, and we're about to start the drawing here. Before we get into, uh, Mintz, your, your previous history at Western States and everything else, let's go quickly through the rules and, and tell everybody what we're doing here. This is our live podcast. We are following along with the Western States 100 lottery. They are about to draw 220 lucky, lucky souls out of about almost 7,000 applicants, plus another 75 for the wait list. And we are sitting here for some reason... Uh, torturing ourselves because we know that there is no chance that we're getting in anyway, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna try and have a little bit of fun uh, with with that idea. So Phil and I, Phil, we, we both have this is our fifth year in the lottery. We both have sixteen tickets, which uh, comes out to about a sixteen or seventeen percent chance of getting in. So I think if I do the math correctly, there is about a one third chance that one of us will be in this year, and obviously a two thirds chance that that neither of us will. So. Uh, you know, better than in the past. Mince, are you in the lottery this year? Unfortunately, I am not in the lottery this year. Uh, I did grindstone earlier in the year. I dropped at mile 80, so I fell about 22 miles short of earning a ticket this year, unfortunately. Oh, bummer. Okay. Well, yeah. that, that, that puts you in um, safer position this morning because... Uh, you, you're not going to necessarily have to abide by the rules of the Western States lottery drinking game. So this is how the game works, guys. And Phil, I know you're preparing for a big effort tomorrow, so I, we, we might have to modify this slightly. But I have two, two drinks in front of me. Uh, right now, I have a, an industrial arts tools of the trade. That's my beer for the day. And um, I, I wanted to have a West Coast beer uh, just for a little bit of, you know, mojo maybe to, to give me a little extra, a little extra, uh, oomph in, in the lottery here as, as we're looking towards some West Coast racing. But um, I don't have any West Coast beer in the freezer, in, in the fridge rather. So uh, I have an Industrial Arts IPA or an Extra Pale Ale, the, the tools of the trade. And then I have uh, some High West Whiskey uh, Double Rye uh, rye Whiskey here. 
So the, the way the game works is this. Uh, for every person that gets in to, that is drawn, who has less tickets than, than we do, uh, so Phil, <laughs> that would be less than 16 tickets. If one of those people get in, we need to take a sip of beer. For every person who gets in that we personally know, and by know, I would say either, you know, this is somebody we, uh, you know, maybe have their cell phone number or somebody who we've run with outside of, um, outside of, you know, being in a race, like, you know, if, if Jim gets, obviously Jim is, is in already, but, you know, if somebody we've raced against, that doesn't count, but somebody we've been on a run with or something like that, somebody we know personally, uh, that's worth a shot. And then if- How about- we do an extra shot for anyone that Rum Bum has offended. <laughs> Actually, no, we've been absolutely gonna, wasted. We've been I'm just going to chug, chug the bottle right, right now. Leave that out. And then <laughs> any previous Pain Cave guest who, who gets in, uh, that's two shots or a shot and a, and a sip of beer. We'll, we'll, we'll do two drinks for that. Okay, so those are the rules. Phil, what are you going to do? You're gonna, we're, maybe we'll have you eat some, some Marmite or, or how are we going to do this? Well, you know, I've actually made myself a nice coffee here and I put a healthy portion of bourbon in it. So, Perfect. I think that, oh. uh, you know, I think it's probably equivalent to a beer at this point. Okay. But slightly more medicinal, I would say. <laughs> Good. But, okay. You know, a nice morning bourbon cold day so I'll, I'll be happy to take my medicine at any point okay good so you're ready to play that's good mince what are you drinking it's it's a little bit early on the east coast but what are you drinking right now yeah this uh new to me um lightning drops by resident culture it's a uh hazy ipa out of charlotte north carolina so oh cool Wow, when, when you said that i thought you were like taking like acid or something i'm like talk about raising the game here lightning <laughs> drops like, <laughs> So as we as we sit here waiting for the the lottery to begin, um, I'm just going to go through a couple of the stats real quick uh, from from the uh, the Western States website. We have let's see here. Oh God, there are a lot of entrants. Why yeah. Is, holy crap! You know, I was just looking down at mine to make sure they had my ticket count right. And you know, the 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 other Jason Friedman, the Jersey Jason Friedman, is in with one ticket. And the actually the, the worst part of today is going to be seeing him get drawn, thinking I got in for a second, and then realizing it's it's somebody else who actually got drawn with one ticket. That's going to kill me. So we have uh, six thousand two hundred eight entrants this year, a total of twenty nine thousand seven hundred twenty four total tickets. There are. Sounds like we got a chance then. There are 18, 18 entrants with 128 tickets. So that is uh, eight-year losers, eight-time losers in the lottery. There are 18 of them already. Um, and their odds are about 78%, which by the math says that there are probably going to be five or six people who have missed out for eight straight years and are going to miss out for a ninth straight year. This is uh, somewhat depressing. Phil, in the 16-ticket bucket, there are 328 of us. Uh, for a total of 5,248 tickets, uh, which wow. you would think would be the most tickets. But no, the, the six-time losers with 32 tickets have the most total tickets in the lottery, 186 entrants in that category. And over half the entrants uh, are in for the first time, 3,300 and change uh, with one ticket. Mince, when, when you got in, Mince, how many tickets did you have? Yeah, I had one ticket. I had uh, only Such one. an asshole. Jesus. Yes. Did you hear the way he said that? I mean, the smugness was palpable. Do you know what I mean, Jay? I thought it was I almost it. it was almost apologetic. You should be fucking apologizing to us. <laughs> oh, it was. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, the odds weren't as bad then, though. I think when uh, I was in the lottery, uh, the odds were almost two and a half percent with one ticket. So 
they've gone down considerably. It's gotten a lot harder. Yeah. Hey guys, I've got a little piece of admin to add here. I've just I'm looking after a rabbit and it's just arriving. Someone's bringing their rabbit to me, so I am gonna be sort of off for a sec. Okay. I'm, I'm actually really hoping. I mean, they say a rabbit's lucky, right? So this rabbit has four feet, and I'm I'm like no joke. Someone's bringing their rabbit to me to look after. I'm hoping it brings me luck. So just to let you know that I might have to duck out for a second. That's kind of unfair. You're bringing in outside outside help. This is bringing uh, a rabbit. Yeah. This is something on the karma gods or something. Yeah. Yeah. And this so, isn't the kind of rabbit you like. This is a real live one, not the toy that you have. Anyway, I'll uh, <laughs> I'll be back in a sec. So yeah, the rabbit Mint coming is, up the driveway. <laughs> Jesus. So Mitz, as you were saying, yeah, two and a half percent or so when when you got in that that time on on one ticket, and it's down to just over one percent with one ticket now, which actually may be up a little bit. I feel like two years ago, which was the last lottery we had, it was like zero point nine percent or something like that, which is terrifying. But yeah, just over one percent for for uh, somebody with one ticket uh, this year, which means we're going to get you know several of them. Obviously, there's three thousand entrants. Tell us what what was it like on lottery day when you got selected, Mitz? What what uh were were you watching? Were you kind of out for a run? Were you just kind of not paying attention? What was the deal? Yeah, I was actually watching it. I was watching the uh, the Facebook Live feed, uh, and I got called pretty early. and And I think they led with, you know, oh, and from Syracuse, New York. So like when I heard that, you know, immediately like perked up, knowing that like it surely was me, right? And it was, um, and. And I think there was like a little bit of a lag between like the the live feed and then where like they come through on like ultra live net because because like my phone blew up like a second before I heard my name. So I think like, you know, I like text coming in left and right. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. Like, I guess I have to do this thing. You know, was it was there uh, any dread or, you know, was it was it just pure excitement? I was a little intimidated. I I wasn't, you know, you hear people say this, but like if I could have waited another year or two, I think I would have been a better runner for it. Right. I'd only 100 miler. I had, um, you know, I didn't really have any experience kind of like racing, um, no experience mountain running. I was definitely a little underprepared for it. Um, but, but I was, I was pretty psyched. I was pretty happy. Uh, yeah, I want to get the story on your your Western States day. Um, tell us a little bit about your prep going in. Um, how did you get ready for it? I mean, were you able to prepare for the heat, which, you know, obviously everyone coming from the East Coast is concerned about and that sort of thing. How did your training kind of prep prepare you or, or not prepare you for the day? It, it was tricky, obviously. Uh, you know, not living in a mountainous area, having like the heat that they have out there. Um, it was definitely tricky. I also ran into an issue. Um, I was doing a race in preparation for it, uh, Trap Rock 50K, which I think you're familiar with. You've done it before. Oh, God, that um, I hate that race. <laughs> I, I banged up a couple of ribs really badly. Yeah. Um, and so that, that definitely was a big setback in my training. I was uh, pretty bummed about that. Um, I ended up going to Rock the Ridge, another race you're familiar with. Um, a couple weeks later and I had like an okay run there, but I ended up dropping. I, I was just still having trouble with the ribs. Right. I remember so I worried. I, I was a little worried going into state, but like it, I wasn't going to have, you know, the legs for it, but, um, I, I did have one last race for it. I did the, uh, 
uh, Cayuga Marathon, and mm-hmm. I had a good run that day. So that that kind of like you know boosted my confidence back up. But I was I was doing the things that um, the best I could do with what I had. So I was trying to do you know some hills. I was trying to do some kind of like power hiking up hills. Um, I was I was using one of those like dry saunas to try and acclimate to, to the type of heat um, that we'd be facing out there. So, you know, I did the best with what I had. I, I think if people have an opportunity, if they do get into the race and if it's at all possible, I'd try and go out there for one of like the training runs they do, try and get out there to experience it firsthand because nothing I did really came close to, to what it was actually like. In terms of the terrain, in terms of handling the, the heat or the conditions or, or what was it that, that was kind of beyond your expectations? The heat in particular was like, nothing you know you could sit in a in a dry sauna and and you know i think i was like somewhat acclimated in that way but you know when you're doing that as opposed to actually like running you know 100 miles out in it it just doesn't really compare um also kind of like the descents i think the descents were somewhere something that i wasn't prepared for um i was okay on the climbing but but coming down i my quads were just like pretty blown by mile 70 or so Right, right. And that's not where you want to be on that course. That's not where you want to be starting to struggle because that's if if your quads are there, that's where you can really start moving. So, yeah, I want to hear a little bit more about the day. We're going to welcome in now here in in person in the pain cave for her upteenth visit uh, on the show, the vegan comet herself, Laura Klein. Laura, how's it going? It's going well. It's great to be with you here today, Jay, and also my buddy Mince on the line. Hey. Hey. So, Laura, you were actually Mince's crew and pacer out at Western States. Uh, When he got pulled in the lottery a few years ago, what were your thoughts? Were you just like, oh, crap, now I got to get a ticket? (laughs) That was actually my fear going out there to do that, (laughs) that I was going to become obsessed with it and just really want to get in. But um, it actually did the opposite for me. (laughs) I think particularly because of the heat that year and just seeing the carnage and seeing people suffer and just knowing how I am in the heat and how I was in the heat, just pacing and crewing. I was just like, yeah, this might not be for me. (laughs) So remind me what year you guys were there. 2017. Right. So that was 18... So that, right, that was an incredibly hot year. Yes. That was the year that uh, Jim, that was Jim's second attempt. That was where he blew up. And um, Ryan, Sands, Ryan Sands actually, yeah, wound up picking up the pieces. And uh, Camille blew up as well for the women. And uh, that was Cat's year, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, two, two all-timers for sure, but a ton of carnage on what, what was a very, very hot day. Yeah, Mince, take us a little bit through your race and, and uh, kind of how that went. Tell us a little bit also about, you know, for, you know, I, I've been to the race several times. Obviously, Laura has been there with you. Uh, but, you know, most of our listeners, unfortunately, might never get a chance to see what States is like. So talk a little bit about the the atmosphere and, uh, you know, in Olympic Valley leading up to the race, you know, the excitement on race day and, and that sort of thing, if, if you can paint that sort of picture. Sure. Yeah. You know, one thing I would say about it, I don't know if this is a good analogy for all the listeners, but I think some will be able to relate to it. I think it's the difference between going to, you know, see your favorite sports team versus like going to a playoff game. It's a little bit of a different crowd. It's a little bit of a different feeling. You're like at the same type of thing. You're still at an ultra marathon, but it's got a very different feel to it. 
instead of kind of like the the laid back, you know, chill ultra, it, it kind of has like a buzz to it. You know, everyone's kind of hyped up, everyone's amped up. Um, you're seeing people that, you know, maybe you'd seen one or two of these people at races before, but instead you're seeing like dozens of them. You know, you're seeing like a who's who of of ultra marathoning. Um, so so it's definitely got like a different feel to it. Uh, going into it, everyone's kind of um, pretty amped up. Uh, you know, obviously, any going to any hundred miler, I think, like, you know, you're a little nervous, you're a little worried, but you know, knowing that you might never get back to states when you're in it, right? Um, you know, for most of us that are participating, it's it's kind of uh, it adds an extra element to it. You know, it's not like you're some other hundred miler where, you know, you could blow up or drop or something and go back and do it the next year. You know, this might be it. Um, so, and, and, you know, it's also pretty expensive to get out there and, and do that race versus other races. So I, I think that's another thing that can kind of be prohibitive for people. Um, you know, so, so it really just might be one shot there. Sure. Uh, so it was cool though. I mean, race morning, it did kind of feel more like you know, just another, well, just another, it, it felt like another, you know, hundred miler um, when you're kind of lining up and you're getting, you know, getting to the line and you're, you're really more worried about yourself at that point. Um, and, and you can't be focusing on, you know, Jim and Magda and whoever else is there. So, right. You know, the, the, the gun goes off and, and you start and you just kind of have to fall into your, you know, your rhythm and not get caught up in, in other people's races. Um, I remember doing the first, the climb up the first four miles and, um, being around, you know, like Ian Sharman was there and, you know, people like, you, you know, you're used to kind of like following in races or seeing in races and, and then they're right there next to you, you know? So it had like a different feel to it, um, in, in that way, but you still just really had to kind of focus on your own race and, and do your own thing at that point. Um, it seemed like for the first, for that first climb, those first four miles, everyone was, was pretty, you know, with the exception of Jim who kind of went off the front there and, um, everyone was kind of like laid back and realized it was going to be a hot day. Um, realized we were also going to be going through a lot of like snow and ice early on. Uh, and, and it was kind of daunting, you know, knowing that you were going to be like, you know, ice, snow, and then into like these pretty extreme temperatures. Um, but once you get to the top there get through that wilderness area kind of, I think you hit the aid station at mile 14. Um, and then, and then from that point forward, it pretty much was, you know, more trail than, than snow and ice. Um, so you really could get into your rhythm at that point. Um, it's a beautiful section to run through. It's just really just strikingly pretty through there. Yeah. Um, really, you know, I would say mile 14 to, um, right around mile 30 where you hit like the first major aid station, just like a beautiful section, of course, really nice stuff. And I think by that point, you know, when you've covered almost 50 kilometers, you're, you're really into the flow of things. Um, it was cool. I was kind of like, uh, yo-yoing a bit with, um, Magda and Casey. Uh, I think cat passed me like maybe right around that first, um, right in that area around like 30 to 40 miles cat was around. So you, so you're around kind of like people you still are, you know, familiar with. Um, I, I would say it wasn't quite as much like chatting and, and whatnot as you'd have it at like a normal ultra, you know, where you're kind of like meeting new people from, from all over. I, I think it did have a little bit more of a, a serious tone to it. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe that was just my personal take on it. I'm not sure if other people feel that way or not, but 
it did, it did feel a little bit more like more people kind of, you know, really, really focused. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you about something that you said, you know, you alluded to kind of at the beginning of, of, of that, where you were saying, right, this is this for most people, this is probably your only chance. I mean, unless you're, you know, either incredibly lucky or, you know, right, looking at, you know, a sponsor spot or a top 10 spot to, to get these return, you know, people who can race their way in every year. But for the vast majority of us, yeah, it's a it's a five to seven year process at this point. You're, you're likely going to get one shot at this in your career, maybe two. And Phil and I have talked about this a few times, like if and when we do get in. I mean, first of all, we're both getting to the point where we're kind of too old to uh, really be able to do any sort of performance like we might want to. But, you know, I still think I could run a pretty good race there and, and you know, put up a decent performance. But, you know, th- that's balanced by, you know, you really if this is your one chance, you really do need to finish. I mean, and, you know, there there's the the impulse, at least, I think, in some ways to say, you know, I'm just going to take it easy and, and go for, you know, whatever, either a 24 hour finish or a 30 hour finish or just to make sure that you get across the line and don't do anything stupid and blow up because you're not getting another chance to finish it if you DNF the first time. So did that come into play at all? Like kind of trying to balance the idea for you pre-race or, or in the early stages of like, you know, I, here's what I think I can do performance wise. And, and, you know, if I, if I'm going to take any risks versus, you know, not taking any risks whatsoever and just going for, you know, just, just to finish quote unquote, just to finish, you know, was, was that a calculus that you had to make? Did you, did you wrestle with that at all pre-race or in the early stages? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I thought about it a lot. Like, it, like it consumed me at times. Um, cause I felt very comfortable that I could get a 24-hour finish if I ran a 24-hour finish type race. It was something I felt very comfortable with. I think the what what kind of changed the calculus for me was that I did get in with one ticket on my first attempt, which made it a lot more realistic that I would have a chance to go back at still like kind of a relatively young age and, and you know relatively fit. So I figured um, since I'd gotten that chance to do it early, which a lot of people don't have, you know, getting in with one ticket that, that I would, I would have a shot to get back. So for that first one, I kind of wanted to like go for it. I, I, I definitely was, um, more aggressive than I, than I would have run if I was trying to run like a 24 hour finish. Um, I was running, I, I think I was definitely taking more chances. Um, you know, really I, I wanted to get to. Forest Hill in like a pretty in a pretty decent position, um, and then hopefully I would have legs left for, you know, to get at least to the river and then kind of um, you know just keep moving into the finish there. And I thought I'd be able to get a pretty quick finish time. Um, I think in maybe a different year it would have been possible to do that. I, I think it might have worked. I think I underestimated how much energy kind of getting through the ice and the snow. And, and that early section, the first 15, mile, 15 miles or so, I think I underestimated how much kind of energy that would take. Um, and then going into the heat where it did get extremely hot, um, I think it hit, I think when I was um, at El Dorado, I think it was like 108 degrees. And, and, and by that point, I was, um, you know, wondering if I, <laughs> if I had gone out a bit too hard and, and kind of tried to, tried to do too much. Um, and, you know, I, I, it reminds me, like, Jim afterwards, when people asked him about it, he's like, you know, I, I just wanted to, like, go for it. And sometimes when you try and do, like, crazy things, it just 
it just goes to hell. And right. kind of what happened um, to me too, because I really was just really dragging the last 20 miles. Um, but, but I wanted to try it. I wanted to try it and, and, and see what happened. Um, so obviously it, it didn't work out, but I don't have like any, any huge regrets about it. I think if I had, you know, played it really cautious and gone for a, you know, 23 hour and 45 minute finish, I think I probably would have been kind of maybe kicking myself a little bit after and kind of wondering, you know, well, what, what could have happened out there or what could I have done? So, you know, at least, at least I don't have to think about that. And I, I did feel confident, you know, I'd still be able to get to the finish line. So right. as tedious it may have been for me and probably more so for Laura, mm-hmm. um, you know, was able to get there ultimately. So we've actually just started in the last couple of minutes. We have the first nine picks are in. We already have two people with one ticket who are in, including uh, somebody from England. We have a couple of overseas runners already coming through here. I got to take a few sips because, hang on, I'm I'm running a little bit behind. They're coming in fast. We have our first uh, eight-year, eight-time loser, Jeffrey Leonard, in the lottery for the ninth time from Illinois, who who has uh, come through. There's another one uh, with two tickets. I'm just looking at a cut. Do we know a John Lehman, Schnecksville, PA? Is that Shanksville? Shanksville. Hmm. Yeah? No? Nobody we know. I don't, but I'm sure the my Pennsylvania writing crew probably does. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No other familiar folks quite yet in the first 10 or 12 picks. A few overseas runners, one from Bulgaria, one from New Zealand. And uh, we're, we're off and running here <laughs> as we build to the build out the full field of the Western States 100. And uh, as we didn't get a chance to mention earlier, but in an hour or two, we're going to have the Hard Rock Lottery come online as well. Whether or not we're still upright and uh, sober at that point, uh, probably not the case as I have another drink here for another one ticket entrant from Val d'Isere, France. Oh, God damn it. Okay. So is that the game? Well, then I guess I do need to grab a beer, huh? Yeah. Well, so the game is basically anyone with fewer tickets than than me (laughs) gets a sip of beer anyone that we know uh gets a shot anyone that has been on the podcast gets both oh yeah so uh it could it could get ugly pretty quickly especially as i said the the majority of these first uh 15 tickets 15 uh picks have fewer tickets than than i do so i'm and i'm already two more two more behind well i'm gonna excuse myself to go to the fridge Actually, I'm going to get you a okay. drink from the fridge, and okay. um, because I wanted Jay to ask you, Laura, keep his beer in the fridge. He, he likes to have it nice and warm on the side <laughs> next to his Pepsi's. All right, welcome back, <laughs> Phil. We have Phil. There's yeah, the there's... rabbit's in place. Oh, good. The rabbit, the rabbit is settled nicely. I've just put out a little running roaming pen for them. Phil, there's, um, there's already like four. There's already two Brits, a Frenchman, uh, two from Australia, one from New Zealand, in the first seventeen sounds picks. Sounds like a bad there. joke. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. Brits, the Frenchman, and, and Aussie have in common. And there's another, there's another one, one ticket. ticket. There's another one ticket entrant, number eighteen. So, Laura, as I get you a beer, tell us a little bit as about you know crewing and and uh, you know taking care of of Mince in his attempt um, as, as the as the temperature climbed into the mid one O's. Um, what was that like? And he, was, uh, he was a bit of a whiner, right? Isn't that what you said, Laura? Well, I was going to start off with you know Mince's very high needs. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he actually wasn't at all. But um, yeah, it's, it's quite a task to have to, um, especially did he, he did he ice his balls at all? Or just he didn't go that far? 
I, I, I did help with that. That was part of my, my crewing duty. Yeah, there has to be. I'm I'm such a huge proponent of icing your balls. Yeah. Like I really find it really helps with temperature temperature regulation. So I think the the great thing was that reasonably the, good with birth control as well. But the first aid station I was at, um, don't remember which one that was anymore. But Mako came through and he basically just pulled his waistband. Laura went out. running after him. And he just pulled his waistband out and told the volunteers just pour it down there. So sounds sounds like you, Phil. At that point, Laura was a volunteer. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, <laughs> screw mints. I will help <laughs> at this aid station. Hey, Marco. <laughs> but no, I, I think that definitely the hardest part is just getting to all those aid stations because some of them are so far apart. And, you know, luckily, the way Jason had it set up for me, I was obviously not going to everyone because I don't think you can do that as a solo crew person. But, yeah, I mean, it's... I, I felt like I did the race just for the stress yeah. and the scrambling and the driving and carrying, a, you know, sometimes you got to hike pretty far from where you park to get to the aid station. So it was yeah. from the start to some of those aid stations is a two to three hour drive and then maybe yeah. a 20 minute hike in. And it's it's not easy by any stretch. No, and I, I was lucky that a lot of people that were showing up at aid stations with me saw me kind of struggling carrying this. <laughs> all of Jason's stuff in and people were offering to help J carry things Jason's roll-on suitcase, his massage table, his yeah, I mean, he had it all. boots. <laughs> exactly. He doesn't need much, this guy. <laughs> Phil, Phil, up I, the airstream. Phil, I'm hoping you're just continually drinking since we've had a, another several uh, one and two ticket folks come through and I'm going to make you drink an yeah. extra drink for every Brit. Uh, so there was just another oh. Brit come yeah. through there. So at number at the 22 mark with th uh, looks like eight tickets. So uh, that's, yeah. a, that's a bunch more for you. So keep drinking continuously. Cool. I, um, I'm not good at drinking games. I find they just slow me down a little bit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm happy to have a juice bomb, so I'm ready to. I'm ready for those one tickets to come through. Yeah, and we've got the, uh, we've got the, the shots loaded and ready to go over <laughs> here. Um, Chad Bruce, that's a familiar-sounding name who I probably don't know, but only has four tickets, so that's another, another sip for us. Or maybe that's just because you want a shot. I definitely do not <laughs> want a shot. This is going to work out poorly. Oh, I think I know. So, Mince, when did this go south? Yeah, um, right around, I would say Cal 2 or Cal 3, I think it was. Uh, Laura was it with was me. It was soon after, yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it was soon after I picked him up. So, <laughs> I will take the blame for that. Yeah, so, I, was still, I was moving well through Forest Hill. Yeah, you, you know, were. I think okay through, like, Cal 1 and maybe even Cal 2. Um, and then, you know, just right around... Uh, right in that area, there was like a lot of carnage of like pretty elite athletes yes. kind of in that area, just like really struggling. And I think it kind of got in my head a little bit at that point too, that like, you know, maybe I'm like a little overheated. Maybe I should be you know, more cautious. And, and I think I just kind of like really broke my rhythm and kind of like maybe like my mental kind of like broke down a bit at that point. Um, and, and it was kind of like, once it started to go, I, I just really wasn't able to quite get it back. And I think we got down, I mean, I think we got down to like the river and we were still kind of like moving, you know, like, okay. At that point, it yeah. wasn't great. It wasn't pretty, but we were like moving, but I think pretty much from there forward, I was, I was in pretty rough shape. I think, um, you know, the, the worst thing was my feet were in horrible shape. And I think I had underestimated the toll of like running through all the ice and snow and then running, you know, like all the grit on the trails there, there's quite a bit. 
Um, and then just like the heat. And I think just like the combination of it really just kind of destroyed my feet. I know a couple of other um, East Coasters. Um, I don't know if I should m- mention anyone's names. They had the same issue. Surakai has had a similar issue. Um, I think actually Maggie had a little bit of trouble that year too with the same kind of problem. So I, I don't know if it was like, a, you know, us East Coasters, I think Maggie was still over here at the time, like weren't really prepared for that or if it just, you know, we were prepared and it still was just too much, but it was like really unusual conditions to be, you know, you're running through snow, you're running through ice, a lot of water, and then, you know, over a hundred degrees. It's like quite a contrast. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, right. Trying to keep your feet under control and right. Manage the temperature and everything else. It just, uh, it's quite a challenge. So just broad strokes, what are your thoughts on the experience in general? And I mean, I, I assume eventually you would go back if that was an option. Yeah, I'm, I'm planning on uh, going back one more time. <laughs> just one more, I think. <laughs> um, I think uh, the way they changed kind of the uh, entry system, I think it both, you know, it helped me because I, I had a handful of tickets um, already. So I think I'll get to hang on to those now the way they have it. Right. Um, so I, I think that helped. Unfortunately, I think it also hurts all of us and that, that it's just going to be that much harder for, for any of us to get in. Um, you know, I remember, I think at some point, did they have it? So like after eight years, you like automatically got in or, or, or maybe just all those people ended up ultimately getting picked. But I think that's just not going to be the case anymore. Oh, no. Um, it, right, right. So it, yes, uh, two years ago, it was, I think, the seven year or whatever it was. Right. They, they basically, everyone got picked except I think maybe one and, and they just made a... a uh, executive decision to put the the one person at the top of the wait list and, and they were eventually going to get in. But yeah, that's not, you know, there, there are too many people, like I said, I mean, eight years at this point, 128 tickets, you only have a, you know, three and four chance this year. So we're going to miss out on a few of those people. Yeah. We're going to see people with, you know, 256 tickets, 512 tickets in there. It's hundred percent. That's going to happen. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's any other way for them to really handle it. So I, I think, you know, we're all just going to have to kind of accept that reality. But well, I'm going to yeah. I'm going to refer you back to the podcast I did with Joe Yuhan, whose proposal is to phase this out by, you know, everyone who has accumulated tickets will keep their tickets moving forward. But there's no more accumulation in his proposal and it becomes a straight lottery. Um, you qualify, you enter and everyone has an equal chance. And that gets rid of this kind of pressure to, you know, qualify every year, it gets rid of this, you know, what he calls the stale entrance and, and the premature entrance of people who are just, you know, entering just because, you know, they don't want to run it this year, maybe they want to run it in three or four years, but they need to build up tickets to give themselves a chance. Um, uh, And we can link to that in the show notes for this episode when it eventually goes up online. But, you know, that's the idea of like, just, you know, just really make it a true lottery. Otherwise, otherwise, right, we're going to be in a situation within a couple of years where, you know, 10, 10 years is not going to be a guarantee anymore. Um, and we've certainly never come close to having somebody go 10 years. Uh, but we have, right, like I said, 18 people who are in for the eighth or ninth time this year. And so that's an inevitability. Yeah. And I don't think we've seen a eighth year person get picked yet. If I'm looking at this, I saw a seven year person get picked. I don't think I've seen an eight. So I think one, uh, Brendan Donahue was the 30th person picked, uh, 128 tickets from Washington. That's it so far. Um, that's another name that sounds familiar, but I'm not calling that as somebody I know. <laughs> Benjamin Kuhn. Uh, probably not. 
Mint, before um, I, I know I know you're a little time limited here, but uh, before you do, oh, there's another one, 128 tickets. Aaron Yoakum from West Virginia. All right, East Coast boy. Tell us, you recently ran a your I think your first track 24 hour. How did that go? It was interesting. Uh, <laughs> I I was kind of disappointed after um, Grindstone after having dropped there. I'd had a couple kind of like nagging little injuries nothing like significant but just kind of the ones that really like throw you off and make it difficult for you to kind of do the things you want to do um and they've kind of been from like uh summertime and just like lingering around and i think grindstone was just a little too much for it but i thought i could probably manage something on the track um it was it was interesting it it actually uh beat up my body quite a bit more than i would have expected it was a lot uh it was harder in some ways than I, than I would have thought. Um, I ended up just stopping after a hundred miles. Uh, I, I'd had enough. I felt good with it. Um, but I do look forward to going back at some point and doing the full 24 hours. I would definitely like to take another shot at it. Uh, some things I'd probably change, but it was fun. It, you know, people talk about like the track being so, you know, monotonous or grueling, but I didn't have any, I didn't really feel that way. I mean, I've always liked the track anyway, but, um, I, you know, it's, once you're kind of in that like race setting or race mentality, you know, even if you're just competing against yourself, I, I think that kind of the monotony and stuff goes away and you just really, you know, focus on running, focus on, you know, doing what you're there to do. And, and so, you know, that aspect of it never really bothered me. Um, I'm definitely going to do another one. Yeah. I, I love the 24 hour loop format like that. And yeah, like you said, it, it's, you know, it, it, it's a way to really, kind of strip everything away and you you really wind up do like staying really present in the moment and just really just focusing on moving forward it you know when you when you're not thinking at all about you know the um the terrain or the you know everything around you or anything like that it's uh it does become very easy to to really zen out a little bit and you had a really nice performance there right what'd you run for 100 miles yeah, I, I think I was at like 17 hours and 24 minutes or so. Um, I'd been I'd been really good through 100 kilometers. I hit 100k in like a little over nine hours. Felt pretty good. Um, I ended up walking the last 10 or 12 miles. I think I was just some of those like injury issues kind of resurfaced, and I just didn't want to um, make it worse than it already was for you know an event that was kind of like experimental for me or just right. kind of a curiosity at that point. So that that kind of you know took a, took a bit of time to get through that last 12 miles or so, but it was cool. It was really, it was really fun. There was a, you know, a lot of local people, familiar faces. Um, Jared Burdick uh, was, was running and I think he kind of had a similar, you know, I don't want to speak for him, but I think similar experience in that, like this was a new thing, maybe more difficult in some ways, maybe not. Um, but I think he also wants to take another crack at it. So uh, yeah, it was, it was cool. I, I, I liked it more than I thought I would. Um, I don't think it's going to become a regular thing, but I could see myself doing, you know, a couple more of them. It's a fun format. I can't wait to do another one. Um, as I continue, I'm almost through this beer as, as people with <laughs> one and two tickets keep getting pulled. Um, although a nice Jewish man, Kevin Goldberg, I'm assuming a nice Jewish boy from, so uh, from Westminster, him? Colorado. No, I'm not going to say I know him. Oh, God, if I had to drink a, a shot for every Jew that got pulled, that would be that would be something. Oh, Phil, you dodged a bullet there in Italian, but not a not a Brit. OK, you're doing OK. But it, that's eight tickets, though. So you got to drink another sip. If you're still there with us, he's probably feeding the rabbit or something. <laughs> feeding, feeding the rabbit. That's a new, that's going to be our new uh, euphemism for. Yeah. Yeah. Phil, <laughs> Phil just ducked out to feed the rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
Jay, one other thing I would say about states is I, I know you have you, you've had your expert on who you know has talked about how Killian is underrated in the sport or has been underrated in the past sport. And after doing states and kind of like seeing what Jim's been able to do with it the last few years, and then kind of his versatility, you know, 100K on the roads or pretty much any 50K, pretty much everything but UTMB, he's pretty much um, you know, crushed at some point or another. You know, I, I really feel like you could say the same thing about Jim in some ways that he's that he's underrated, and you know, you can be at the top and still be you know underrated in that way. It's really incredible what he's done. I to- I totally agree. I-, I think he's, if not the the greatest uh, ultra runner in history, he's in the top three to four. And I don't know that he necessarily is yet viewed that way. Uh, but um, yes, I-, I I totally agree. His his range is unbelievable. Um, I think he's a UTMB win away from being you know recognized for what he probably already is. You know how good he already is, but. It's it's interesting that UTMB has become right kind of this defining moment for for him and for a lot of other people. And I, I it, it, you know, you're you're um, you're referring, I think, to what Paul was saying about him being him being underrated. Um, I think Paul would probably say, you know, screw UTMB. If he wins comrades, he's the greatest ultra runner in history. Um, and I, I actually think that, you know, that a, a comrades win is completely in his wheelhouse. And if not multiple comrades wins now, he's never going to do you know, like eight comrades wins or any like Bruce Fortis or anything like that. But, you know, if he wins one, one comrades or, you know, let alone two or three, I think I agree. Uh, he's the greatest ultra runner of all time. And, and, and at that point, it's just right. Uh, UTMB to me is icing on the cake for him uh, at that point, you know, and, and, you know, it'll be interesting to see, does he chase records? Does he, you know, take another shot at a hundred K? I don't, I don't know if he, uh, speaking for me coming within, 15 seconds or whatever it was of the 100K world record like that and trying to go back and do that same effort again <laughs> yeah. to me would seem, I, I don't think mentally I could even comprehend trying to do it again, but, you know, he's obviously of a different species. Yeah. Um, I couldn't do it again, but yeah, who knows yeah. what he's got on his head. <laughs> we are through 62 picks right now. I am almost done with my beer as I'm trying to keep up desperately with all these one, two, and four ticket people who get picked here. Mince, what's next for you? Uh-oh. Did <laughs> we lose him? Silence. <laughs> He's quitting the sport. <laughs> I guess Mince just retired. Laura, um, <laughs> we were talking a little bit last night about what's next for you. You've been in the uh, in the gravel grinding world for a little while now. Yeah, well, I actually haven't really been in it because I haven't raced in gravel, but that was that's what I'm planning to do some of this year. Uh, I got into... Uh, one in Vermont in the end of, at the end of July called Rooted, and I'm going to enter the Unbound lottery. But um, yeah, I think uh, like Mince, he's gonna sign up for the old Comset, which is now Heckscher, and I think I might join him. Yeah. So that would be next for me. So that would be end of February, beginning of March. Yes. A race that both of us have myriad of of, <laughs> of experience and with every time i do it i'm like okay that's it I'm not coming back <laughs> right. and then every two years i'm just like i should go do that again <laughs> so how many times have you done that three three yeah, yeah three this two, would be four two seconds and a third yeah three podium finishes right yeah. at, at the 50k national championships uh including the last time i think camille was the the winner right that's right yes. so yeah that's a that's a tough um slot to draw trying to race camille over 50k on the roads 
Um, yeah, and that was the first point, year at Hexford. It's Hector. just I'm happy to compete as a master's runner. <laughs> 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 you know. What what are your, what are your thoughts on the Hexer course versus the the traditional Compsec course? I, I I liked it a lot better. I don't know about you. Did you really? I. You know, I missed the original Compsec course having those just tiny little rollers in it. Mm-hmm. I think that helps. I agree. But I really liked getting rid of that 180 degree turn. That turn, yeah, that turn was no fun. No, now, ten times it's no yeah, fun. Yeah, now in the the original quote unquote. Um, oh, has a, another one. Um, <laughs> the original Comset course actually did not have that turn in it. It oh. had like a little figure of eight thing that went by the old mansion there. Okay. Um, so, oh God, there's our first person that we kind of do. We kind of know him. All right. <sighs> I'm, Michael Dubova, I'm not going to count him. I've never actually spoken to him in real life. Okay. I don't but know. Uh, Michael, oh, Michael Dubova, no, he's a former. Um, Where's he from? He's from uh, Virginia, a former uh, Hellgate champion. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, with oh, fucking one ticket. Fuck you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Mm. But that's some good East Coast representation. We've had a lot of East Coast people drawn, yeah, drawn here in the last. It's um, a good thing to see. Yeah, no, that's great. And he'll do well. Uh, he, he's a strong runner. But one ticket. Jesus. Hopefully he's enjoying a drink now too. I, I agree that that. Oh, Tom Kaplan! What? Tom Kaplan! Are we gonna get him on here now? Tom Kaplan! Holy shit! Okay, what are All we right. taking a shot to? Shot. Cheers, Phil. Are you still on the line? To TK. Phil is not on the line. Cheers to Tom Kaplan! Holy shit! Wow. Ooh. <laughs> I'm gonna chase that with my carrot. Oh, juice. that was bad. Oh god, <laughs> that was terrible. Holy shit, Phil! No, Phil's on mute. Phil is feeding the rabbit. <laughs> oh crap! Um, Can we uh, get Tommy K on the line? Do you have his cell phone number there? Because I'm running this this whole thing through my phone. Yeah, let me let me take a look. Call here. Tom. Um, oh my God, Tom Kaplan. Uh, for, oh, we have to do two because he's a former guest, also. Oh come on! Uh, here, we'll just do <laughs> we'll just do a beer with the. Okay, God damn it! Holy shit! All right, I'm, you know what? I'm actually going to pause this fucking podcast and we're going to talk to Tom Kaplan. We'll be back in just a second. Your call has been forwarded to an automated oh, voice. Oh, what an asshole. Oh, God. Okay. Give him a minute. He's probably calling other people. I'm going to keep calling him. I'm going to keep calling him. This is crazy. I can't believe he got in. Uh, oh, that's so exciting. Nobody deserves it more, yeah. that guy. That guy, I mean, I don't know if people will remember the episode we did with Tom Kaplan, one of my, one of my favorite episodes, but um, that guy, I think, took nine shots before finishing his first hundred. Uh, and, and by no means, I mean, picking the hardest hundreds in the country in most cases. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think his first finish wound up being either the bear or I am tough or I mean. Your call has been forwarded to an oh, automated. God damn it. Oh, my God. Anyway, good for t- Good I for let, TK. I let Brian know that he got in, and he said, which one? I'm out playing with leaves. So he's he's doing his traditional, like, good luck leaf-blowing dance. That's right. That's right. I think when, when he got into States, uh, we're talking about Brian Ostrike now, yep. another former Pain Cave guest um, and a good friend of ours. I think the, uh, the last time that he got in, when he was pulled for States, he was shoveling or raking leaves or some such crap. Uh, Phil, are you there? Oh, he's not on mute anymore. But Maybe the rabbits are feeding Phil at this point. <laughs> oh, Scott Toll just got in. Scott Toll, the, I think the son of Gary Toll, the longtime um, 
board member, Western States board member and uh, former Western States finisher himself, I believe. Hmm. Um, and actually... That was a big uh, sip for that yeah, one, huh? Yeah, fun story. The reason that... Um, well, it wasn't for... he Scott had 64 tickets, but <laughs> the person right before and right after had, had less than me. Gary, Gary told the reason that uh, I, I am really in ultra running right now. Oh, I'll, tell, wow. I'll tell this story to kill some time. When I was working at the... Yosemite Valley Medical Clinic in 2004 and I was training for um, marathons basically and doing running all over the all over the valley um, Gary Toll Dr. Toll was my preceptor there I was a resident at the time um, on a wilderness medicine elective it was super super fun and Tom Mangan two two people in a row from Pittsburgh Pennsylvania Tom Mangan that name wow. sounds familiar Tom Mangan and Elisa Edgar both from Pittsburgh Nice. 84 and 85. That's weird. So, yeah, uh, you know, Dr. Toll knew that I was a runner. I was running all around the valley and, and we were talking and he was on the board even at that time. This is 20 years ago now. And I had heard of Western States, but, you know, was not in the ultra mm -hmm. space at all. And he was like, you should come and do, you know, do medical care. And that, that was my first exposure to uh, to ultra running was I went the next year and volunteered doing medical care at uh, Michigan Bluff and then at the finish in 2005, which was Scott, um, Scott Jerk. Scott Jerk's last <laughs> year. Sorry, I'm, see, I'm, I'm drunk. I, <laughs> I've had my beer. and It's that shot. It's the shot, yeah. I'm warm um, now. That was Jerk's last, his seventh win, and um, AJW was second that year. It was a, nice. a great, great race. And that's, that was what got me into ultra running. I was, you know, beforehand, I, I actually wrote an article on this for, for Marathon and Beyond magazine. I was very skeptical of the whole ultra running <laughs> scene. You know, this was when... Dean, I mean, Dean this was in This will never take off. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't that I was like, this won't take off. I was just like, you know, I was very much in the road running marathon yeah. world. I mean, you know, Dean Karnazes was probably the most famous ultra runner in the world at that point. He was at the race. I met him. And um, it was like, it was very much like, what are these people doing? Like, you know, <laughs> isn't a marathon long enough? Like, yeah. you know, you, you know, you can't compete in a marathon. You just got to run longer until Slower. nobody else will do it. And, <laughs> and then I, I went to Western States and, and saw what was happening there. I mean, seeing Scott come through through Michigan Bluff was I was just like, holy shit. And uh, yeah, that that's nice. how I became an ultra runner. I, I ran my next uh, I ran my first ultra six months later or eight months later at Mountain Mist in Alabama. So uh, yeah, Gary Toll, Scott Toll, congratulations. That's great. And I think um, Gary is still on the on the board at oh, Western nice. States. Yeah. So that's that's really cool. I'm going to have a couple more sips here because we're we're plowing through some <laughs> Uh, we're almost almost halfway through. Ninety-one picks. I too have a Gary that got me into ultra running. Tell the story. Different different Gary. Gary Bowman, one of the old school trail runners out of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. When I uh, decided during a triathlon off season that I needed to do something a little bit more social, when I was living in Amish country, pretty isolated, so I decided to join this crew of guys and women who would go out on a Tuesday night pitch dark and just basically sometimes we were on trails sometimes we were bushwhacking only be a couple miles but it it got me hooked on trails and Gary was the one like he was he was my buddy and he told me within within a year you're gonna run your first ultra and I laughed at him and I was like I have no desire whatsoever to do that and sure enough he was right that's awesome that's awesome so when I met you Laura which was a pagoda pacers yeah shortly shortly after you'd moved to new paltz but i hadn't met you yet in new paltz and we were down at right at um the uh i'm trying to think of Mon the name now 
Mud. Uh, Mount Penn Mud Fest? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Which was on, unfortunately, uh, was on a different course. The the classic uh, Mud Fest course was one of my favorite trail races, Mm -hmm. 15K trail races ever. Uh, Love that race. And and actually, I'm looking at one of my my trophies from from that race. Uh, Really great competitive uh, event. Um, But had you been running ultras at that point or that was... I mean, yes, you I had. had done at least one by that point. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that, watching you run those technical trails um, scared the shit out of me, I have to say. And I met you because I knew I had already met Halstead because That's right. I was using him as my vet and then <laughs> saw right. him at Mount Penn Mudfest and then met you, yeah. That's right, that's right. Yeah, shout out to Dr. Mike. I'm going to grab another beer. Phil, are you back on? Phil, he, Phil might have actually drank a little too hard during those opening tickets. Yeah, he was he was a little. Oh, Trevor Bain, Washington D.C. That sounds familiar. Congratulations to you, but also fuck you with your one ticket, number ninety nine. <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna get to pick number one hundred here in just a second, oh, wow. and then I'm gonna go grab a second beer here. Um, okay, that guy has a division sign in his name. That's weird. You got to see this guy's name. It's Jorgen Stark from oh. Denmark, but. Instead of the O with the slash through mm-hmm. it, it's coming out as a division sign to the power of zero. You, it's oh. <laughs> very, very interesting with uh, eight tickets. So, so right, the question is, is Tom Kaplan watching? Does, does he know, do you think? I have no idea. I have no idea. You know what? As I get this, as I get this beer, yeah, um, I'm going to try calling him again. And um, let's see what happens here. I'm going to Western. Oh, there he is. Holy shit. Are you, are you, what are you doing right now? I'm making a reservation at the Squaw Valley Lodge. Yeah, except we call it Olympic Valley now. Yes. You've just been, you've just been canceled or ratioed or whatever the kids say. You Holy shit. Whatever, but the, yeah, I've been canceled, but I tried to get them on the phone, but they're so busy right now. I'm going <laughs> to make a backup reservation at the Squaw, the other place, not the village at Squaw Valley. Holy shit, man. Congratulations. Thank you. Now I got to duct tape my stinking back back together. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Actually, you know what? Maybe now you do get surgery. Well, we're going to find out. I get my MRI on the 21st of December. All right. <laughs> we'll find out. Whatever I got to do, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Shoot it, tape it. Cut it. Go ahead. Are you watching this live right now? No, no. I got my mom is here today. So we're, we're out there having a little matzo ball soup. And- so how did you find out? Oh, he said he, I just got a text from Phil that said I was just on the phone with Tom. So uh, that's why you oh, didn't shit. answer. Let Phil called you. This. this is them calling me back from the reservation line. <laughs> uh, I hate you. I hate you. Goodbye. See you. Bye. <laughs> now he's just rubbing it in. Tom Kaplan, everybody. Tom <laughs> Kaplan. All right. I'm going to take off my cans for a second. God, that's the third person from Denmark. What the fuck is going on here? All yeah, right. this seems to be a large international field going on this year. Yeah, I'm. All right. <laughs> if if Tom Kaplan getting in is the only good thing yeah. that happens today, I'm going to be pretty pissed off. But I mean, good for TK. But yeah. all right, I'm going to get a beer. Lauren, you keep. Uh, Laura, you yeah. keep trying these guys. <laughs> is right. is he in the Hard Rock Lottery too, or is he just in the States Lottery? All right. So the question, right? So my my suspicion is that he's in the Hard Rock Lottery as well because his qualifier. Can you imagine if he gets both? Oh, I'd fucking kill him. Brian would too. His quali- <laughs> his qualifier was was grindstone this year, which oh, yeah. counts for both. So I presume he's in both yeah, lotteries. I mean, why would he not go into that one? Now the um, the chances of of somebody getting in, although I don't know how many Hard Rock tickets he has, he could have a bunch. Yeah, 
And we don't know because now he's making reservations for Olympic Valley. What a fucking jackass. Okay. Sleepy Eye, Minnesota. Hmm. That's a fun name of a town. <laughs> John Moss. Moss. Eight tickets. Got to take a sip. Uh, we are up to almost 110 picks. We are almost wow. halfway through the lottery right now. I am still blown away that Tom Kaplan is in. That's fucking great. Yeah. And now drinking a, a Yard Owl Rye Grisette. Ooh, that's hmm. that's delicious. Um, here, take a sip of that. It's good. It's kind of sour, though, so just be prepared. Okay. I was not prepared for how sour that was. I'm not a big sour person. Oh, try all it. right. You might not like that. That's not bad, though. I like it. Broken down and beaten up. The years have been long and tough, but I'm not dead.